Hello, everybody. My name is Bill Keever, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Should the enemy try to condemn our fight, his righteousness will Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and once again, we're happy to have you join us today. We've been talking about all year this idea that uh, God has invested in the believer a tremendous amount of potential. And by the way, that means you. You have tremendous potential. Maybe you grew up with somebody telling you you couldn't do it, you couldn't get it done, you weren't good enough, anything like that. Let me tell you what, your Heavenly Father has invested something wonderful in you, and you can see that manifest in your life. Now, don't look at anybody else and judge yourself by their potential or by what they're doing. That has nothing to do with it. The potential that you have is yours. Hallelujah. But God has invested that in us. Because we are the hope of the world. That's the bottom line here. We live in a world where things are out of control, but we, as the body of Christ, have access to something that others do not have, and that is the supernatural power of God, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And because of that, we can be supernatural people, people who live with a touch of the supernatural on their lives and in everything that they do. But we can be that way right here in the natural world. And in dealing with that, we've been talking about one aspect, and that is the the power and the channel that we can become for what's called revealed knowledge. There are two kinds of knowledge as we've been studying this. There's sense knowledge, the stuff that comes in through our five physical senses, and then there's the kind of knowledge that Peter walked in, or at least that he experienced in Matthew chapter 16, and that is Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed to you that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, the knowledge that Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God came not because of what he saw or heard or felt or tasted and touched. It came because of God's revealing it to him, showing it to him inwardly. And once he saw it, it couldn't be unseen. He just knew that. And there were other things that where Peter still struggled. Once you receive revelation in one area or revealed knowledge in one area, it doesn't mean you've arrived. It means that in one area or in that particular area where you've seen something, you've been made more firm, you've been made more consistent, and you will know that the rest of your life. Now, sometimes it kind of gets buried back in, in the back of our minds, in the back of our hearts, and amidst all the trials and tribulations and circumstances that we face. But if we go back and take time and quiet ourselves and look down inside, we will know that that is a truth God showed us and nothing can change it. So in line with that, we've been looking at a number of things. One of the most important things to develop or that opens the door, let me say it that way, for this idea of God revealing things to me is very simply a deep 
and growing and active and current relationship with God himself, spending time with him. I use the illustration of my wife, and we're going to look at that again, but the fact that we've spent 55 years together getting to know one another, and let me tell you, we know one another. And the the thing that we need to know or the thing that we need to develop is the ability to hear his voice and discern it because it comes to us basically in that same inner voice that we think in, but there are ways to to uh, to discern the difference between that and us, and that's the important thing. How do I know if it's God or if it's me? And the first thing that we need to uh, to do in terms of causing that to come to fruition in our lives is develop that relationship. My wife and I have been together 55 years. We spent hundreds of hours, thousands of hours, maybe tens of thousands of hours, I don't know, uh, spending time together, talking with one another, being with one another, observing one another. We need to have that kind of relationship with God. I know her. She knows me. There's nothing we don't know about one another, and we understand one another, and we know one another's voice, and that's, that's the key here, isn't it? And so uh, we found out relationship is the key. Paul, who had probably a deeper level of revealed knowledge in his life than maybe anybody but Jesus, he said, I saw things, I was taken up to the third heavens. Now he puts it in the in the third person, but most people understand it was Paul that was taken up into the third heavens. He said, I saw things, God showed me things, God revealed to me things. I can't even preach to you. It's not even legal to say them, but God showed them to me. That is a deep level of relationship. And very quickly, let's just renew the principles that he put in Philippians chapter 3, verse 16, that enabled him to have that kind of relationship. And number one, as it is with any relationship, commitment. Nothing was more important uh, to Paul than knowing Christ. And number two, priorities. He set aside other things that would hinder the process. All the things that are in our life, many of them are important. There are things we can't set aside, we can't get rid of, but uh, uh, we have to uh, uh, do the things that are necessary, but we have to take a hard look at our priorities and say, what is it in my life? That's hindering me from developing, cultivating that active and current relationship with God. I'm not talking about you got saved five years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, like I did. I'm talking about that active and current relationship with God. What is it in my life that I could really do without? It may not be sin. If it's sin, well, then you just need to get rid of it, repent of it, say, God, help me to get rid of this thing out of my life. But there are many things that hinder that relationship that aren't sin. Lord, help me to set the priorities. Help, ask God, ask the Holy Ghost to help you show you the things. Don't just come up with a bunch of stuff, but say, Holy Spirit, God Almighty, Jesus, my Lord, show me what I need to change. Show me what I can set aside, what I should set aside that are particular hindrances to developing that kind of relationship with God. And sometimes we've got to choose uh, to set aside things that we may want. Sometimes we have to choose to set aside things that for uh, that we seem to think are more important than anything else. And let me tell you something about this setting aside. It can be seasonal. In other words, God may say to you, I want you to set aside this for a period of time because for now it's causing a hindrance or because he wants to do something special in your life. So we'll say, set aside that TV program or set aside that particular thing that you like to do. And we can even put this into the realm of fasting where God will say to us, you know, it's time to set aside even food and set yourself aside to me. Now that doesn't, that doesn't change 
really anything on the outside so much as it changes us on the inside. And that's what we're talking about, developing that that commitment, developing that priority set that will enable us to get to know him and develop our relationship with him. And then he says one more thing. He says, I forget what's behind and I press or I press on toward the high calling in Christ Jesus, not the low calling. He's pressing on towards the high calling. So let me say two things about that, and then we'll get to what we want to talk about today. And that is, number one, set aside, uh, forget about what's behind both good and bad. We want to forget the bad stuff. And it's very important that we realize we are where we are today. And a lot of the things that happened to us in the past, or the things that were our problems in the past, or the, the traumas that came from the past, we need to put them under the blood of Jesus. We need to forget about those things. The failures, maybe the most important one of the failures that you had. There was a time you tried to get to know Jesus better and it didn't work out so well and things didn't go so well. Well, forget that. Forget where you are. But also, you need to forget some of the victories that you had. Not in the sense of never thinking about them, but in the sense of not resting on what you used to do. Not resting on where you used to be. Not resting on your successes that you had yesterday. Because yesterday's successes are memories, and they're good memories. We can look to them to help inspire us and strengthen us. But Paul said, I'm forgetting what lays behind, and I'm pressing on. Hallelujah to the high calling in Christ Jesus. You can press to the highest calling that God has in your life. And that high calling is to be conformed to him, is to be like him, is to be everything he created you to be, is to walk in, in the destiny that he created for you. And we can stretch for that. Now, I, I really kind of believe and this may be not controversial, but maybe you don't agree with me. Uh, I, I don't generally think we ever quite get to the highest of high callings. Uh, I like to think in terms of the 30, 60, and 90 that Jesus talked about. He said some produce 30-fold, some produce 60-fold, some produce uh, 100-fold, not 30, 60, 90, 30, 60, 100. And uh, I, I tend to feel like there are some of us who feel like we're just 30-folders, and there are some who think, well, maybe we can be 60-folders, and there are some who think, well, bless God, I'm a 100-folder. Well, I guarantee you the ones who really think they're 100-folders probably are more down around 25. And the ones that are really going to go the farthest are are the ones that are going to say, God, I don't want to be a 30-folder. I don't want to be a 60-folder. Help me to press on to the high calling of being a 100-folder. Now, most of the time, we're not going to quite get there. But can I tell you, 75 is better than 60. Hallelujah. So we need to press on towards something. We need to press on towards greater relationship. We need to press on towards more, uh, more power being available in our lives to minister to others as well as to live in victory ourselves and to, and to be there for our families. So that's the kind of formula that Paul laid out in Philippians chapter 3. Now, I want to move on to something that we've alluded to a couple of times, and that is God has given us something to help us come to that place of having the kind of relationship that we need to have with him. And that that it's a twofold thing. And one of them uh, is alluded to. Paul speaks of it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He says, he's praying for us, and he says, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. One of the things that's going to, to put us over the top in this relationship thing is giving 
reign and giving attention and allowing the Holy Spirit to do in us what he wants to do. He wants to reveal these things to us. He wants to show us things. He is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So the Holy Spirit is important. But as important as the Holy Spirit is, that's not really where it begins because it begins uh, in, in a much more possibly considered mundane place, but it's not really mundane at all. It begins with the written word of God. I want you to look with me at uh, 1 Peter and chapter, First uh, Peter chapter uh, uh, 1, had to find it there, verse 19, and it says this, and so we have the prophetic confirmed. Now I'm going to go over, that's the, that's the New King James, but I want to get over to the, uh, to, the, uh, uh, to the King James because it says it in a slightly different way, and I, I kind of like what it says there. So in that one, it says, um, we therefore have, and let me get to the right verse again, 1 verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your heart. So what is that more sure? I like that term more sure. It means more steady. It means it, it doesn't mean that something that comes to us by the Spirit isn't true, but there's something very steady, very firm, very established, very sure about the written word of God. And that's what he's talking about. He says there's a more sure word of prophecy. And he, and he likens it to something that um, I heard this preached by somebody a long time ago and or this illustration used and, and it was before I traveled a lot. But at this point in our lives, my wife and I are spending a lot of time in, in motel rooms. And it's very interesting because motel rooms, we stay a lot in the same chain. They're very similar. And yet, Sometimes they're faced one way, sometimes they're faced another way, sometimes there's a different layout, sometimes there's a layout that's, uh, we, we sometimes get uh, get uh, the sweet kind of layout, and so there's another room, and it's so interesting, you wake up in the middle of the night, and you have to go to the bathroom, and you think, okay, which way is it? Where is the door? And one of the things that you can use to orientate yourself or orient yourself is the light that comes from the hall under the entryway door. He says the more sure word of prophecy is like a light that shines in the darkness. That light under that entry door, it stays there. That's the entry door, and it stays there. And so I get up out of bed, and I look around. Okay, there is the entry door. I know the bathroom is not far away. And so that's kind of the what the Word of God is. It's a more sure word of prophecy, or maybe better for our discussion, a more sure channel for revealed knowledge to come into our lives. Now, why is that the case? Because the Word of God has been written down. It's there. Now, I know there are all kinds of translations. There are translations that I like, and there are translations that I don't like. I'm kind of not partial as my main Bible to any translation that is one that, that translates the phrase or the thought as opposed to trying to translate the words more directly. I feel like the minute you start trying to interpret the thought, you have to bring your own interpretation in. But sometimes they can be very helpful. They give us some pretty good ideas of what may be saying. I believe that you need to stay with maybe some of the more established translations. I like the New King James, and I'm not, you know, Paul believed in the King James. Bless God is good enough for me. Well, Paul 
Paul didn't believe in the King James. But uh, but I, I do think something established, something that has some some uh, uh, some academic credit. People, there, I don't like translations where one guy uh, translated it because just too much. He may be well thought and well uh, well uh, intentioned, but it's just too much potential for him to get his own ideas in there. I want something that's just the word of God. And that's the key, because even though there are different translations and some of them are not very good, there are some, you know, like uh, the one that the Jehovah's Witnesses use, they just take things out uh, randomly and put things in. And so that's not even a, that's not even a, a translation at all. There are paraphrases which don't pretend to be a translation. They're just what someone uh, feels that this uh, scripture is saying, and they're good. They can be useful, but don't don't trust them totally. But the thing is, even with all of the variation, we see variations from country to country. I've been to over forty countries. I preached in in a lot of those, and uh, I've I've looked at their translations. Not so much looked at them with my. I don't I don't read their language, but through the interpreters and through the people that we work with, and you find that there are some real problems in those translations. But the thing is, and here's what I want you to get out of all this, not just how bad some translations are or good others are. It's that the Bible stays pretty much on the whole in terms of principle. It stays the same. It says what it says. There may be problems and they come into play a lot more when you begin to study it in detail, but to to read the Bible, you're going to find that more is right even in the worst translations, if it's if it's still the Bible, if it came at all from the Greek and Hebrew, it's still the Bible. It says what it says. When you read the Bible, you're not reading uh, a book. Uh, if you if you read one of my books, I've got eight of them on Kindle. You can go find them. If you if you listen to the teachings. I'm giving you a lot of what I believe it says. I'm trying to open it up for you and help you. But the thing is, it says what it says. The Bible is the Bible. And so the other thing about that is it's a physical thing. You can look at it. You can smell it. I mean, it may be on your device. I pretty much use electronic devices now, but I remember when I had paper Bibles, I could smell what the the thing smelled like. I could feel it in my hands. If I wanted to, I could eat a page. I never did that, and I don't recommend it. But I can touch it. I can feel it. I can smell it. I can see it with my physical eyes. It is a physical thing. It's right here with us. We don't have to uh, to look at anybody's interpretation. Now, there are interpretations, and we do need teachers. But the thing about the information, and that's what I really want to point to, the information that's in the book, even though there may be differences, even though there may be slight errors even. The basic information in the book, the principles that it teaches are always the same. I can go to them today. I can go to them tomorrow. I can go to them when I'm in another country. They say the same thing. Although with, again, there may be some issues in translation and all that, but basically on the whole and according to principle, by and large, it says what it says. It says it here in the United States. It says it in Kenya. It says it in India. It says it in Greece. It says it in all the other countries where I've been. Basically, fundamentally, the Bible is the Bible and you can read it. You don't need a degree to read it. You don't need some special visitation to read it. And that word of God is full of the principles and of the revealed knowledge of God. It's all in there. Now, 
one of the main ways in which the Bible is important to understanding and, def- and, and discerning the voice of God is that the Bible contains all the principles that we need to know. And the Bible, uh, or any revealed knowledge, let me say, if it does not agree with the written code, the written word of God, then it is not from God. The Bible sets the standard. The Bible is what we judge everything by. We may have heard a prophetic word. That's something that's, I don't know how much it is out there now, but for a long time, prophecy was a very important part of, of the, the, the church of Jesus Christ, certain segments of it, and still is in my life. You may have heard a prophetic word, but if that prophetic word, you may have confidence in the guy that spoke it or the woman that spoke it, you may feel good about it, but if there's anything in there that disagrees Agrees with a principle in the written word of God, it's not from God. Very simple. You can read it, and, and God will help you find it, but it's not from God. Uh, there are principles in terms of you may hear certain things, like I heard, a, uh, and it was a friend of mine's church, and so I'm pretty comfortable that the story is true, and it's, it's crazy, but I'm comfortable that it's true. He had a, a number of people come to him, I don't know if it was two couples or whether there was more involved than that, and come and say, well, you know what? God told me I married the wrong person. And so what I need to do is I need to divorce my wife or divorce my husband, and this brother or this sister over here, that's the right one. I need to divorce the one I'm married to and go marry that one because God told me that. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible has a lot to say about divorce. It consistently talks about God hating divorce. Malachi 2.16 says it blunt. I hate divorce, God says. And then uh, Genesis 2.23 and 24 says a man shall leave his mother and father. And I found out in Kenyan culture, that's a huge thing. They don't leave their mother and father. They don't break those ties. But God says a man shall leave his mother and his father and be joined to his wife and they shall be one. Does that sound like something that needs to be separated or that God's going to come back and tell you, oh, you made a mistake? No, once you're joined, you're joined. And in uh, Matthew chapter 19, 6, Jesus said what God has joined together, nobody can separate. Don't let any man separate. Now, If you've been divorced, I'm not telling you you've committed the unpardonable sin. If you've been remarried, I'm not telling you you've committed the unpardonable sin. What I am telling you is, because God can forgive all those things and God can even work in those situations, but what I am telling you is this. If God came, if you think God came and told you to divorce your wife and marry some other woman, you didn't hear from God. Why? Because it goes against established principle in the written record. You may have heard numbers of different things, all kinds of things God you can thank God revealed to you. Let me get that straight. But if it disagrees in any way with the written word of God, it's not God. So in that way, Knowing the word enables you to understand or to to more clearly discern what is God and what isn't God. Start there. If it disagrees with the word, it's not God. So now here we have something else then that the more my mind, the more I study to show myself approved, the more I open my heart and my mind to know the word and the more time I spend in the word, That is proportional to how much God is going to be able to trust me by giving me the knowledge inwardly that I need in order to function and in order to be victorious and overcome in life and in ministry. So number one, it is the standard by which all other revelations are judged because it's physical. It's there. Anything you hear through the spiritual channels 
that there are problems in that you could get it wrong. One of the things that we've said before, but I want to say this again, one of the ways that we can can uh, enhance this is by going to people that know more of the word than we do, saying, you know what, I heard God say this to me, and, and your pastor or your friend or an elder or someone like that that's been around a little bit longer than you have looks at you and says, but the Bible says this, how does that compare with what you heard? And you can say, you know what, it disagrees with what the Bible said. Thank you, brother. I just avoided a big mistake. So number one, it is the established standard. It's a physical thing that you and I can read with our physical eyes. It becomes the bridge between the the natural life that we're living here on earth and the supernatural connection that we have inside. Number two, the written word of God contains much more than the principles of God. The written word of God also contains his voice. You know, the way that I got to know my wife so well, the way that I got to know her voice know her character, the way that I got to know the sound of her voice, the way that I got to know how she says things and puts things together, the way that I got to know uh, what she would and wouldn't do, what she would say and what she wouldn't say, is I spent time listening to her talk, and I talked with her. We had fellowship together. Now, there is a fellowship that you can have in the Spirit, but once again, we've got a problem, don't we? Because God is not here in the natural, and most of what we are oriented to is to hear with our physical ears and to see with our physical eyes. We start there, and so what has God given us? He's given us the written Word of God. It's full of principles. It's full of the standards by which we judge everything else. But beyond that, it's how he talks. It's how he thinks. It's full of his word, of his thinking. He says, my words are higher than your words. My ways are higher than your ways. But as the heavens are higher than yours, so are my ways higher than yours. But I give you my word. Why? So you can understand my ways, hear my voice. And that's Isaiah 55, by the way. And so God not only gives us principles to follow in his word, but the more I spend time in his word, the more I spend time fellowshipping with him, the more I spend time reading his word. We think, oh, reading the word, that's that's all right. You know, is that really that important? It is vital. And if you ever want to be in a position to hear the, the revealed knowledge of God, to hear things that, that give you information that is beyond what you can obtain in the natural, then you need your heart, your mind filled with the word of God because the more of his thoughts you read, I mean, you know, every day we go and we read the word of God. We read different parts of the word. I, I, I encourage you to read all parts of the word. I think the, the New Testament is more pertinent in many ways to us, but the Old Testament is not done away with, and there is a great amount of how God thinks, what God says. All of those things are there in even the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. The more you read it, the more you think like he thinks. Paul said, I have been transformed by the renewing of my mind in Romans 12, 1 through 3. And so what does that mean? Transformed means completely changed. I was born again by my encounter with God when I received him as the Lord and Savior of my life. I was born again. The Bible says old things passed away. All things became new. Hallelujah. That's an established reality. But my problem is my mind still 
people thinks like the old world thinks, like my experiences thought, like like all of the my culture taught me, all of those things. But the more I get into God's word and read what he says and read how he says things and hear his heart, the more my mind begins to be renewed until I begin to think more and more like God thinks. And as I think more and more like God thinks, when God speaks to me, it's not hard for me to know his voice because I built it. Uh, over the years. The more years you spend in this, the clearer you begin to hear him. And when something comes to your mind that's uh, against the principles or that's outside of God's character, you just look at the devil and say, get out of my head. Where do you th- Who do you think you are getting into my ears like that? Get out of here. That's not my father. That's not who I've learned uh, to know and love. So number one, it's the principles. Number two, it's the simple fact that his word contains his voice. Let me close by looking at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is a very important verse. It's, it's a powerful chapter for the word of God. Hebrews uh, 4.12, excuse me, I think it said 14, but Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick or alive. Let me go back to the New King James. Oh, it's wonderful to have these devices that you can just jump around from different translations. The, the Bible says here that the word of God is, a, is living and powerful. It is alive. That's why when we read it, Jesus said, my words are spirit and truth. You you just hang around and read the words of Jesus and you're hearing. You're hearing how God speaks. You're hearing God's voice. You read the Psalms, you're hearing God's voice. You read the Proverbs, you're hearing God's voice. It's not just words on a page. It's a living thing. Oh, hallelujah. We cannot emphasize enough the importance of the word of God. It is powerful, living and powerful, sharper than to any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, there it is right there, isn't it? The word of God can divide between soul and spirit. Your own inner voice comes through your soul, but the voice of the spirit is what you want to discern. That also, you hear it kind of from the same channel, but it really isn't from the same channel. It's more from the inside out, and, and it's from a deeper place. But the word of God, the written word of God... Who'd have thought that it would be that important? The written word of God is able to define or decide between those things. Now, that means, of course, in the principles, that means as you're reading it, but just in the accumulated value of fellowshipping over the word of God, I hear his voice. I know how he thinks. It's able to divide soul and spirit and joints and marrow. I think that's very interesting. What's the difference between joints and marrow? I thought a lot about this. What, what, what is that all about? Well, the marrow is the life of the bone. The joint is the movement of the bone. So it's able to separate between just movement and movement that flows from life. What is really me and what is just the the stuff I'm moving through? What is the inward part? What is just the outward part? And it also discerns uh, why we want to move. What is my motivation in movement? What is it that I want to do? And so you draw on the inward part. It's able to cut between those two things so we can begin to see more clearly what's the inward part, what's the life of it, as well as the movement and why we're moving. It's also able to divide asunder uh, the thoughts and it discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart. 
Why is it we want to know these things? What is it we're really looking for? What are the real thoughts and intents of our hearts? You know, sometimes we're looking for God to speak to us, but our motivation just isn't right. The thoughts and intents of our heart isn't right. I'll tell you, God has a hard time talking to you through unforgiveness. He is a forgiving God, and he wants us to be forgiving. So sometimes we need to be forgiving. Sometimes there are things that we're holding on to from our past. Sometimes there are habits and and even sins that we're holding on to. He's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart, and the Word of God is all part of that process. Now, God will speak to us. God will speak to you in the Spirit. As we grow in this, however, the more of the Word is in me, the more I will recognize, and the more God will be able to deal with me in the Spirit. And The more I grow in the Word, the Bible speaks of growing up in Him, receiving, and by, by, it talks in Hebrews 5 about we should be teachers, but we still have to have the milk of the Word. We can't have meat, we still need milk. Well, that's talking about the Word. The more of the Word I put in, the more I, I study, the more I hear words and messages preached to me, but that's not enough. The more I dig into the Bible for myself, the more I sit with others and talk about it, the more I read it for myself, the more I'm growing up in Him. And how many of you know that you can't trust your little babies or your little toddlers with the same kind of information you can trust your adult children with? Even throughout all of their growth, there are things that you won't tell the kids because they're just not ready to handle it, but you will tell them once they're grown up. That's exactly exactly the way it is. God wants to show us things. God wants to reveal things to us for ourselves, for the people around us, so that we can minister to people effectively. God wants to show you the answers to the questions that you're struggling with. I'll tell you right now, we just cut our our new uh, oil budget from next year for heating, and it's twice as high as it was before. God, how am I going to deal with this? He's beginning already to speak to me about things that I can do to show me things that are not from the outside, but that 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 they're from the inside. But the more mature uh, maturity we develop in our relationship with him, both in terms of living according to the principles and just simply spending that time in his word, that that brings us to a place where we can be trusted, where God says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I can tell you some things that are a little bit deeper than what I could tell you a while ago. Paul got to a place where God could tell him stuff he couldn't tell anybody else. Well, That'd be nice, but I'll tell you what, I really want more stuff that I can tell you and that I can use in my own life because I believe that the Word of God is a practical book and God gave it to us for the life we're living right now. Well, God bless you. Take some time to think about those things. Read those scriptures. Have a great day in the Lord, and we'll talk to you again soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreene at gmail.com. Have a great day.